You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. Awesome, I think. The, uh, about, and I say I think, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, I came down with swimmer's ear. Anybody ever have that happen? You get swimmer's ear? So I got it in both ears. I've, got, I've had this double ear infection going in both ears, and uh, I'm much, much better today. I can kind of hear you. Last Sunday, I could not hear a word. If you spoke to me last Sunday and I agreed to something, I have no idea uh, what I said yes to. I was just nodding my head, and, and it's still, everything's still kind of ringing. So, Mike, I think you sounded wonderful. People seem to like it. So, Liz, did he sound okay? Okay, then he was good to, to be able to do it. So, it's been kind of frustrating. And again, I'm, I'm much, much better today. And, um, it, but for a few days last week, it took me completely out of commission. I mean, I, I just couldn't sit in a meeting. I couldn't do anything because I couldn't hear. I just, just couldn't hear well. And uh, swimming's kind of a new thing I've added to my exercise routine. And I'm not a swimmer. And I didn't know anything about swimming, uh, which is how I ended up with ear infections. And uh, so part of what I've been doing while I was out of commission, you know, I've been kind of just laying there on the couch. And so I start Googling, you know, how, how do I prevent swimmer's ear? And, uh, and so I've been online ordering earplugs and swim caps and little drops to put in my ears. So the next time I get in the pool, I am going to be protected, and, uh, and I am going to be ready. And it got me kind of thinking about that you know, we live in this physical world, and, and we face physical battles in the world all the time, these flesh and blood kind of struggles, like ear infections and, you know, and other things that come along. But the truth is, you and I, we also live in a spiritual world. And, and we don't always like to think about this, and a lot of times we tend to downplay it and, and kind of dismiss it or even ignore it, but we really do live in a spiritual world, and we are facing spiritual battles each and every day. Uh, if you've been with us, this year we've been working our way through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. I've been working on Christmas messages in Revelation. You're going to love them. They're going to be awesome. Santa's sleigh is going to be pulled by the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's going to be great. And, uh, but we've been working our way through the entire Bible, and for the last couple of weeks we've been in a letter written by one of the early church leaders, a tent-making missionary named Paul, uh, a letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And you know, I love it when you follow. We're going to be there again today. You know, I love it when you follow along. So Ephesians. It's about halfway through the New Testament. We're going to be in the last chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And in this chapter, Paul talks about this spiritual battle that, that we're all facing. Uh, he says this, and if you've got it, Ephesians 6, uh, look at verse 12. Paul writes, he says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And again, a lot, a lot of times we tend to try to, we just ignore it or we pretend that doesn't exist or that's just kind of myth or, or these old-fashioned ways of thinking. But the truth is, and, and the, the Bible bears witness to this throughout, throughout the whole book, but the truth is you and I are daily engaged in a spiritual battle. And, and my guess is, just as I was kind of unprepared when I got in the pool, 
My guess is a lot of us head into that battle unprepared. And so what I hope to do today is is help you be a little bit better, better prepared for the battle that you are already in. And again, we don't always like to think about it this way, but, but this is just the truth. We have an enemy. We, we, we have an enemy. The, the Bible calls him the Satan. It means the Hebrew word means the accuser. And, and he is an enemy. Uh, and, and, and here's what he does. Um, the, the enemy, the Satan, he loves to tell you lies. Loves, loves to tell you lies. One occasion, Jesus was debating with some religious leaders, uh, and, and Jesus kind of gets uh, a little bit angry with them. And so Jesus tells them, uh, this is in John 8, Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The enemy, he loves to tell you lies. And, and, and this is what he's been doing since the very beginning when he spoke to Eve in the garden. He, he loves to tell you lies about who God is and about who you are and about what will make you happy. And, and he loves to lie to you about, about who you are, about how much you're worth, about how much God loves you, about what other people might think about you. And and he'll tell lies and he'll twist words to create kind of doubt and fear and uncertainty. He he, he loves to tell lies, constantly telling lies. It's his native language. Uh, Here's what else he does. He sets traps for you. Loves to set traps for you. You ever notice this? There's some, you know, there's some area in your life, where, and you know it's a weakness for you, but you're working really hard to try to overcome it, and yet you discover you keep facing temptations. Like, like maybe you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get your finances, you're trying to you know, manage your money the way Jesus said was a better way to manage your money, and uh, so you're going to live on a budget, you're going to do really well, and then Apple comes out with a new gadget and all your friends got one, and you just have to have it. I mean, your iPhone 14, I mean, who, who could live with an iPhone 14, right? I mean, the 15's out. You have to get it, and it's just a few dollars more a month, and so you get off track and you blow your budget. Or, or you know, God's really convicted you uh, that gossip is a sin that you need to get out of your life because you just do it too much, find yourself talking about other people too much, or you're working really, really hard to stop gossiping, but then somebody comes to you and they got a juicy tidbit that, you, you know, um, about some, you know, some, one of your neighbors, and uh, you just can't help but hear it, and, and then there's just part of you that just can't help, but, you know, you're really just sharing prayer requests, but uh, you just, you know, you want to let somebody know, you know, about what's going on. I mean, th- this is what the enemy does. He sets these traps for us. He, he attacks us where we're weak, where, where we're most vulnerable. Um, and another letter that Paul wrote, he wrote it to a young leader named Timothy. Uh, Paul writes about people who escape, this is 2 Timothy 4. He says, people who escape the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. He's always trying to trap you where you're weak. And then what he also does, he, he wants to stop the work of God in, in your life. Uh, in a letter, Paul wrote a lot of letters. He wrote most of the New Testament. And in a letter he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, uh, this is what he said. This is the First Thessalonians 2. He said, for we wanted to come to you, and eventually I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. 
Uh, the enemy, he, he wants to get in the way of God's plan for your life. Uh, I'm convinced one of the ways he does it the most, I mean, we, we, there's such a high value in us being connected to one another, you know, being here in worship together and, and, and serving together and uh, doing classes and small groups and things like that together. I mean, there, there's so much value, and, and, uh, and it's part of God's work is to have us, his body connected to one another. But the enemy, he doesn't want us connected. He wants to get in the way of God's plan for your life. And I'm convinced what he mostly does in this area, he just makes us really busy. We're, we're just so busy. Anybody feel busy? I mean, we're, we're so, you know, I'm just, I'm just too busy to get involved. I'm too busy to, you know, I mean, you're all in church today, so I'm preaching to the choir. But, you know, we can even tell ourselves, you know, I'm just too busy to make it to church today. We, we, we get so, so busy. He whispers lies. He sets traps. He, he wants to get in the way of God's plan for your life because here's his goal. This is the enemy's goal. He wants to destroy you. There is a real enemy, and you can, you can you know, ask just, you know, old-fashioned way of thinking, that's just myth, and, you know, we don't think that way anymore, but there is. I mean, just the Scripture bears witness to this. There is an enemy, and his goal is to destroy you. Another early church leader, Peter, put it this way. Peter says, your enemy is in 1 Peter 5. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and Jesus called him a thief. In John 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to bring you life. I've come to bring you this abundant life. But the enemy, the thief, he has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And you need, you need to know this. And, and, and you can't pretend like it's not real. There is an enemy, and he wants to destroy your marriage. And, and he wants to destroy your kids. And he wants to destroy the, your, your reputation. And he wants to destroy your relationship with God. He, he wants to destroy the way you think about yourself. I mean, there is an enemy. And more than anything, he, he wants to destroy you. I mean, you're in a battle. You, you, whether you recognize it or not. I mean, we live in this physical world. And, and we do. And, and we face all kinds of physical battles, but right now you and I are also living in a spiritual world. And, and we face spiritual battles. The kingdom of light is battling the kingdom of darkness, and we are caught up in the midst of that battle. Uh, but there's good news. I mean, we, we're, and, and that's what we're going to get to with the rest of this. I mean, you're in a battle, but yeah, just hang on, there's good news. Uh, Paul said this. This is another letter that he wrote, one to the church in Corinth. It's out of 2 Corinthians 10. He says, excuse me, he says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. I mean, that's the deal. You and I, we're in the midst of a spiritual battle, but we have access to divine power that can demolish the enemy's strongholds. So I, what I want to do with the rest of the message, I want to show you what weapons we have, what our divine power is that's strong enough to demolish the enemy's strongholds. And if you still got your Bible open, all of this is in that last chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to walk through, kind of starting down in verse 10, we're going to walk through the, this, these weapons that, that we have together. Uh, in verse 10, Paul, Paul says this. He says, be strong in the Lord 
and in his mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because you got into this. You're not strong enough. I mean, you're in the midst of the spiritual battle, but you are not strong enough. But the good news is you don't have to be because God is fighting for you and he's equipping you with the weapons you need to be able to stand firm. Uh, there's this great story back in the Old Testament. It's, uh, if you want to look it up later, it's in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. And the, the armies of a, a neighboring nation, Aram, they have completely surrounded the people of Israel. And, and things look pretty dire. And, and the prophet at the time is a guy named Elisha. And, uh, and Elisha has a servant who is just freaking out because all of these armies that have surrounded them, and it looks like it's just game over, and, uh, and they're not going to be able to survive. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elijah prayed this. He said, Lord, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. And, and God's angel army won this huge victory that day. And so in the midst of this spiritual battle, you need to know that you're not strong enough, but God is. And, and God's army sur surrounds you. You are not alone in the battle. You are never alone in the battle. God is fighting for you, but you're part of the battle, and so you've got to be battle ready. You, you have to be prepared. And so Paul continues, verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, the, the full armor of God is this great image, and chances are he's been around church for a while. You've heard somebody teach somewhere along the line about the full armor of God. A buddy of mine was showing me yesterday, he, he carries a coin in his pocket that has the full armor of God on, on the coin. It was when his dad carried it and, and passed on to him. And so if you've been around church for a while, you know about this full armor of God. And yet, yet, what I discover is that most of us head into battle each and every day without putting on the armor. You know, it's kind of like me getting into the pool. I mean, I'm never getting into the pool again without earplugs and a cap on. But uh, we head into battle each and every day, and we don't put on this armor that God has provided for us. Paul says, verse 13, he says, therefore, again, he repeats it. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to keep standing. So what I'll do, we're just going to kind of walk through this armor of God and uh, do a little bit of Bible study with it. And uh, so again, get your Bible open, Ephesians 16, uh, Ephesians 6, uh, starting down in verse 14. Uh, here's the armor of God that you want to put on, uh, starting in verse 14. Uh, Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Everybody say belt of truth. Did they say it? I can't hear a thing. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. So you got the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Remember, the enemy, the enemy is the father of lies. What, what he loves to do, he's going to keep telling you lies again about who God is, about who you are, about what really makes you happy. He's going to keep telling you lies. God wants to tell you the truth. And God promises that his truth, his truth will set you free from the enemy. Here's the goal. Whenever you face the lies of the enemy, you have to ask yourself, well, what does God say is true? What does God say is true about me? What does God say is true about his love for me? 
What does God say is true about what will really bring me contentment and peace and, and satisfaction? The, the enemy is going to keep whispering lies, but, but I, I need to stand firm in what God says is true. In fact, I, I'd write it on a post-it note, stick it somewhere you could see it, put it on your bathroom mirror. What does God say is true? I mean, just remind yourself of this day after day. You start with the belt of truth, and then you add the breastplate of righteousness. Say breastplate of righteousness. Yeah, I could hear you that time. Say it really loud to make sure I can hear it you know, here today. Uh, now, now your, never mind. Uh, here's the thing about righteousness. Scripture says that there is no one who is righteous, not even one. So, so this breastplate of righteousness, I mean, it's not something you've got laying around in a drawer because it's not your righteousness that you're putting on. It's Jesus's righteousness that has been given as a gift to you. Uh, Paul wrote, in a le- again, Paul wrote a lot of letters. This is what he said in a letter to the Romans. He said, righteousness is a gift given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. What the breastplate of righteousness does, it covers our heart, it protects our hearts, protects our hearts from the enemy. It covers it with the righteousness of Christ. And this, this righteousness, it's just a gift that you have to receive. And and I'm convinced for a lot of us, it's a gift that we receive when we quit trying to be righteous enough, when when we quit trying to work so hard to kind of earn righteousness in some way, to do what we could never do, and we just accept that Jesus has done for us what we could never have done for ourselves. That's when we're able to put this breastplate of righteousness in place. Uh, then we've got to get our feet ready. Paul says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Just say gospel of peace. Because the rest of it's too long to remember. Um, you ever notice how some people go through a difficult situation? And I don't care. I mean, it could be a really, really difficult situation. But they just seem kind of steady and even and peaceful throughout it all. Y'all notice people do that? you see that happen sometimes? Nod, nod for me. And, uh, and, and it almost seems supernatural, the peace they have. You know why it seems supernatural? Because it's supernatural. Because it's, it's not a peace. I mean, too often we kind of tell ourselves that, that I'll find peace and I will find security as soon as I make enough money and I land the right job. And a lot of people do this. As soon as I am in the right relationship, then I will know peace. But it doesn't work that way. And and the peace that we are longing to find ultimately can only be found in Jesus Christ. All those other things will will eventually just disappoint us. Uh, Jesus said, uh, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. And again, people try to convince themselves that they can somehow discover peace and security on their own, and and they just can't uh, apart from Jesus. Only Jesus and only his way of living and loving and giving and forgiving and managing everything, only Jesus will bring the peace that we're longing for. And, and so with your feet firmly planted, then, then you're ready to kind of move on. Um, in addition to all this, Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Everybody say, shield of faith. Shield of faith. 
He says, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, I love this image, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Isn't that a great image? The flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, in ancient warfare like this, in, in this day, you would shoot a flaming arrow not so much to cause damage. I mean, it might cause a little bit of damage. But the big idea behind a flaming arrow is to distract you. And, and if there's a fl- an arrow flying through the air, you know, on fire, that, that would tend to distract you. Uh, and I'm convinced this is what the enemy does today. And he does it with these lies that he tells and these negative thoughts that he'll plant in our heads, these little lies that will go on. And they're like little flaming arrows. And y'all have experienced this. It's that thought that you're wrestling with that just says, you know, I'm not worthy. And nobody wants me around. And it's never going to get any better. And God probably doesn't even love me. And I might as well give up. And right now, I'm just too old or I'm too young and it's not worth it, and I can't do it. Those are the lies. Those are the flaming arrows the enemy is sending to distract you. So you pick up the shield of faith to deflect those arrows. You get your eyes fixed on Jesus again, on what God says is true, that you're his daughter and you're his son. He delights in you. And in you, you are wonderfully made in his image, just the way you are. And you're a new creation with him, and he is faithful, and he will provide, and he can be trusted. Uh, there's this great prayer in the book of Psalms, Psalm 58. It says, when they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. I just love that. When they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. With, with the shield of faith, the arrows, the flaming arrows, they fall short. And, and they don't distract us from the truth. Uh, next, Paul says, you need the helmet of salvation. Everybody say. Salvation. Y'all are such quick learners. <laughs> Y'all are really good. Uh, here's the deal with salvation. You're not saved because you're good enough. Because you're not. You're not good enough. And, and you're not saved because you're righteous, because again, I said this before, no one is righteous, not, not even one. And you're not saved because of all the good things you do, because you can never do enough. You are saved because God so loved you. So let that sink in for a minute. I mean, we just read that phrase or we hear that phrase like, it, you know, it's some kind of generic, just kind of a, you know, something that we say. But I mean, let that sink in. God so loved me. Say that to yourself. God so loved me that he set aside the glories of heaven. We'll celebrate this next month. And he came and wrapped himself in frail human flesh. Gave his life on a cross because God so loved me and and God, God so loved you and, and this helmet of salvation you're not saved by anything that you've done or because you're good or righteous I mean you can never be enough you are saved because you are the beloved sons and daughters of God and, and when you get afraid because the enemy is telling you these lies about who God is and who you are I mean, you put on this helmet of salvation and you remember that you are the dearly beloved children of God. 
And then finally, Paul says, you take up the sword of the Spirit. Say, yeah, good. God, I thought you about lost you there. So this last one, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, early in Jesus' ministry, uh, there's an occasion where he found himself in the wilderness for 40 days, and he's actually literally battling the enemy, battling Satan. And, and time and again, what the weapon that Jesus used was the Word of God. And, and Jesus promised us that when we find ourselves in the midst of a battle, that, that we're going to use the same word. In John 10, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will remind you of everything I have said to you. Will remind us of God's truth that we find in Scripture. And, and, and this is why I, I believe it's just so important. That, you know, this sounds so basic and fundamental, but why I'm, I'm just convinced it is so important that we are constantly spending time reading God's Word and studying God's Word. And I believe it's even helpful to memorize parts of God's Word. But because this is the weapon, this is the sword of the Spirit that we use. And, and you just can't go to war, spiritual war, with worldly weapons. We, we have to use these divine weapons that can demolish the enemy's stronghold. And so, every day we're going to go into battle, but we want to go prepared. So, let me put it all together. Paul says, we go into battle with the full armor of God, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And we take up the shield of faith, which, which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And we put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And now we're battle ready. Now we're ready to go and face whatever spiritual battle may come our way this day. But here's what I want you to remember. You're not alone. You're never alone. You're not strong enough, so you can't be. You are never on the battle alone. And maybe some of you feel alone right now and you feel afraid. You're not alone. You, you, there are angel armies surrounding you. Pray that God would open your eyes like he did Elisha's servant to see God's presence all around you. You are not alone in the battle. And, and when you pray, know that your prayers are way more powerful than you might imagine. Way more powerful than you imagine. Paul wraps up this section in, in Ephesians this way. He says in verse 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always, I love this, keep on praying. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Listen, I, I know that there are times when you pray and it seems like nothing's happening. And, and I've shared with you before, I've got, I've got prayer requests in my life, things I've been praying for for years that I'm still waiting. Uh, but, but just because I haven't seen doesn't mean God's not at work. I mean, God, God's at work. There's an Old Testament leader, Daniel. We talked about him a little bit last summer. Uh, Daniel was in the midst of a, a battle, and, and Daniel prayed, and it looked like nothing was happening. After 21 days of praying, an angel showed up, uh, and the angel said this to Daniel. He said, the moment you prayed, the moment you prayed, God heard your prayer. <laughs> For the last three weeks, I've been doing battle in the spirit world. Because there's a spiritual battle taking place all around us. When you pray, you may not see it, but God goes to work. Your prayer, your prayer is so, so much more powerful than you can imagine. 
And God always, he always responds to the prayers of his people. And he answers the prayer with exactly what you would have prayed for if you had really known what was best for you. Keep praying. And then finally, and kind of wrap it up with this, one last thought. Remember this. Jesus has already won the battle. I mean, we, we talk about this battle, and, I, and, and again, I, th- I think too often we ignore it and we pretend it's not real. There's a real battle going on. But don't imagine for a moment that the battle's in question, that the outcome's in doubt. I mean, you know, there, there was a moment yesterday when North Carolina thought they might beat Clemson, and I was going to work it in somewhere. Um, <laughs> but the outcome was never really in doubt. Listen, in, in this spiritual battle, let it go. The, the enemy, the Satan, he's already been defeated. Already been defeated. <laughs> he's done. Now, he's still going to tell lies, and he's still going to set traps, and he's still going to look for a way to block what God wants to do in your life. But, but he's been defeated. Jesus accomplished that on the cross. Jesus has already won the battle. I love the way one of Jesus' disciples, John, put it. This is from a letter he wrote, uh, 1 John 4. And uh, uh, John writes this. He says, every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. We'll talk about that more when we get to Revelation. Uh, Who you have heard is coming and, and even now is already in the world. You dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them because, this is the important part, don't miss this. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Somebody say amen because that's really good news. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Whatever battle you're facing right now, you got to remember, you're not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory because Jesus has already won the battle. And you're not alone. God's angels' armies are, are surrounding you right now. But you are, don't miss this, you are in a battle. And you don't want to be unprepared. You want to be battle ready. So put on the full armor of God and claim the victory that Jesus has won for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are in in the midst of a battle, and and we don't always recognize it, and we can get so focused uh, by the flaming arrows of the enemy, so distracted by them, and so focused on the physical battles that go on around us that that we can forget the spiritual battles that are taking place, And, and the ways that the enemy continues to want to destroy marriages and families and relationships, and most of all, wants to destroy our relationship with you. So, Lord, as we face that battle, you've provided us with, with divine weapons that can just demolish all of the enemy's plans and schemes and strongholds. And so, Lord, may we enter each day protected, putting on your full armor, regar- arming ourselves with, with your truth, about who you are and who we are and and what ultimately will bring us peace and security and a life that is truly life. Lord, help us to be battle-ready for the battles that we'll face even this week. 
For we pray all of that, and we do it in your holy name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HBC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvillepres.org.